He's turning it around. How many of you know he turned around an all-black defeat in round one to become a trophy? <laughs> Anyone still enjoying the victory? Oh, I am. I, I, I like went, I went crazy on the crowd. Me and some friends, we went to the parade in Mshlanga, and we considered following them all the way through Kamashi Dabudin. But, but it was just awesome to see uh, just the spirit of victory that's in the air. And it really is a special time for our nation. Someone said it so beautifully. They said, you know, we can't do everything, but it's incredible how sport does unite a moment. And, uh, and this really is a moment for us as South Africa to buy into what could happen as an aftermath of this victory. What could happen, right? Because we choose the outcome. It's not natural. We choose it. We choose for it to be a big moment in our nation. We choose for it to be a moment that diversity kind of blows up again and the opportunity kind of expands and, and just the world of color, the rainbow nation that is our home, friends, that it would become so bright and beautiful in this season. And uh, we're just so proud of the coaching staff and Sia and the team. And, you know, maybe one of these days we get Sia to come so hard to link church. Would that be all right? He's become a bit of a friend over the last while, and I believe he'd be privileged to come and speak to us, and, and so it would be awesome. It's just a good moment for our church. It's a victory moment. But I was thinking about this, right? If, if it takes four years, even longer actually, 20 weeks, hard slog, like time away, big sacrifice, for just the opportunity to raise the trophy of victory, and our nation could rally and get that excited, around this moment, I just had to wonder, like, what about the church? We didn't spend 20 weeks preparing for the victory. In fact, we just woke up and it was already there. We didn't have to sacrifice anything. We just had to surrender to Him. How many of you know we have a victory that is certain, that is courageous, that is set apart in Jesus' name? And so when we sing, it's not just because it's a formality. It's because faith in our heart says that the trophy of heaven is being paraded through the streets of this nation every Sunday. Come on, church. I believe it. And so if you're a bit kind of put out by the, the big, bold sound of this house, I want to say it like this, pardon the noise, but this is the sound of freedom. It's the sound of freedom. We love to sing about Jesus. I want to speak today about a victory mindset. I was recently, uh, a while back, chatting to a friend, and uh, we were talking about his friends and their child. And he was just saying how they've been going through a bit of a kind of struggling season, that this son of theirs was kind of, loving God and serving God and really doing well, so to speak. And, uh, and then there was this moment where he kind of started to question everything and, and started to kind of second guess what God was doing in his life. And, and this young man started to kind of walk away from the things of God. And obviously as parents, that was really, it was really concerning them as to where this went, where this ended, so to speak. And we always think of the worst outcome, isn't that the truth of humanity? And, uh, and so he was talking to, this, uh, talking to a friend who was his friend, if you know what I'm saying. And, uh, and, and he was just saying, I just encouraged them, man. I just breathed life into them. I said, listen, we're praying for you and your son. We're praying for his outcome. And, and the son had kind of taken a road down other religions, and it was kind of getting a little bit scary for the parents. And this friend of mine was just saying, no, I just, I just told them I'm, I'm believing in you and I'm encouraging you. And he said, I, I said this to them. I said, just encourage your son. Let him know the game's not over. Let him know, like, there's still opportunity for this game to be won. Like, it's not a done deal. Like, his life's not over. This moment doesn't define everything. Let him know the game's not over. And I kind of smiled, and he said, why are you smiling? I said, could I tell the story differently? He said, what do you mean by that? I said, well, I kind of think the game is over. It's just that the score is in the favor of the sun. 
Can I speak today about victory mindsets to you, church? Because I feel like one of the ways we take hearts in the local church is we keep reminding ourselves and encouraging ourselves, it's not a bad deal. The game's not over. God can still do something with your life. This thing could. I want to encourage you to start with the end in mind. The game is over. Calvary did it all. It's just that it's in our favor. We walk onto the park victorious. That's a special privilege. Tap your friend and say, we already won. I want to speak about a victory mindset. You see, we've been doing a series. We're in a series called Psalmody, which is the story of song. And uh, the song we just sang called Sea of Victory was written by Elevation Church. And, and I just love the, I love the anthem that rings out of it, which is an anthem of a victory mindset. It's not, it's not typically a song that you can kind of hum to. It, it, it makes you want to go to war. I just, I just, it makes me want to get out there and do something with what God has given me. And, and whether you're feeling like super fired up for the life you're in right now or whether life has got a little bit confusing and messy, my heart is that we would see the truth that's in this song. You see, songs tell stories. Stories lead us to new spaces and places. Stories never leave us where they began. They take us on a journey. This song takes us on a journey, I believe, of giving us a victory mindset. So may you, as you leave this room today, even if it's just a little bit, may you walk out with a bit of a victory mindset. The song was written from 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I'm going to read it to you, and then we're going to jump into some thoughts. It says this, God's people are going to war, and God is encouraging them to position themselves in victory before the war has even begun. Let's speak about victory mindsets today. And he said, listen, all of you, this is 2 Chronicles 20, 15. He said, listen, all of you, Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. He's talking to God's people. You could put the link church. And you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you. Do not be afraid or dismayed because of this great multitude, because of this low economic time, because of this temporary family moment, because of this temporary tragedy, because of this brokenness that you see around. Do not be afraid or dismayed because of this great multitude. The battle is not yours, but the Lord's. Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up against the ascent of Ziz. Still don't know if I'm saying it right. And you will find them at the end of the brook. I'm sure the Bible writer every now and again just puts a word in there just to keep us humble. You know what I'm saying? Like, honestly, it was the eve. And you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeril. And verse 17, he says, you will not need to fight this battle. You will not need to fight this battle. And then these are the three things we're going to be spending time in. Position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear to be, or to be dismayed. Tomorrow you'll go out, for the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed down his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, can I remind you, that's the church again, bowed before the Lord, worshiping him. You see, what happens when we live with a victory mindset is that we move from a place of worry to a place of worship. You know, worry is consuming. You start to worry about one thing, and it leads on to many things. Someone once said that loss can feel all permeating. So you can lose a bit of momentum in one small area of your life and it can feel like your whole life's crumbling. It's simply not the truth. Worry can get you to think things that aren't even there. And what happens to King Jehoshaphat and his boys is they move from worry, get this, to worship. I think worship is the outcome of a victory mindset and a rest in a God who wins. I don't think you can eliminate worry and expect to live a great life unless you embrace worship. I feel like worship is the positioning, the surrender of success. 
it's almost like what this song does is it leads us from a place of worry. It leads us into a victory mindset, and it produces in us a surrendered success or a surrendered posture, if you like, of success. And so I want to speak today about three things that I see in this song, that I see in this story, that I believe will give you and I a victory mindset. Are you ready for it? The first thing is posture. Posture. God's men were aware, write this down, but they were unafraid. You know, one of the, one of the things sometimes we can, we can create as a, as, a, as a thought in the church is that there's nothing to be scared of, but there is. There's lots to be scared of. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about the world. Everything's going to, we can really make it seem like this is just something and that's something else. And like, it's almost like we become inauthentic to the natural world that's around us. I want to be honest with you guys. There is some serious, scary stuff out there. There are economic troubles, there are family struggles, there are drugs, drug abuse, there's addiction, there's marriage struggles, there's violence, there's crime, there's like, like all of this. Guess what? But to have a posture of victory is to be aware of it but unafraid of it. I feel like God needs to speak to the church. What this song does is it positions us, it gives us a posture being aware of what's around us but unafraid of it. You know, um, after the World Cup victory, I went and watched a whole lot of interviews. Bit of a junkie for a win, <laughs> I'll be honest. And I went and watched a whole lot of the interviews. And one of them was a conversation with Swayze De Bruyne. Did anyone watch the conversation where he commented on, nice to see some hands up, where he commented on Sia uh, Khaleesi's posture before the game. And it was fascinating. He spoke about body language. And, and, and he was so convincing in how he helped us understand that in his impression, Khaleesi was already ahead of England before he'd even run into the park. And it was so beautiful. You should go and watch it. You could probably just Google it. See a Khaleesi. Google the toss, the pre-match toss when they flip the coin. And, and, and so, and go and check it out. And Swayster Brain comments. And basically how it looks is Sia walks in and Owen Farrell, the captain of England, they walk into the room and they're standing apart from each other. And Owen Farrell's like, he's like fidgety. He's like, he's just like, it's just like nothing's like easy. And he's just got this, his head's down. And, and honestly, Sia Khaleesi's just standing like this. Go watch it. And then they do the coin toss and, I don't know if you know this, but England actually won the coin toss. Are you British? Is that the only thing you won the whole day? <laughs> like we lost the cup, but we got the coin toss. Like, bless you wherever that came from, somewhere here. I just, we love you so much. And uh, they win the toss, literally. And Owen Farrell has this moment. He like, he looks, he looks across as if to say, like it's real, you know. And see Khaleesi, guess what he's doing? He moved. Like, un immovable. And, and Owen leads across and he gets, he's like, oh, okay, we won. And he kind of looks at Sia. Go and watch it. So he looks at Sia. He's like, um, um, should we, um, should we? And Sia's going, make a call, bro. It's beautiful. And Swayze to Brain speaking about a posture of victory. He said, it's like Sia wasn't even phased by whether it was the coin toss or the first move or the 14th move or defending the line or scoring a try. He was in a posture of victory. And he starts to speak about Sia Khaleesi's body language. So far that Owen Farrell eventually goes, um, okay, I think we will, uh, we will do this. Okay, and then they shake hands and guess who walks out first? Sia Khaleesi walks through the door first. He's in a posture of victory. He's got Owen Farrell confused before the games even started. But what the most beautiful thing was, was when Swayster Brain says, Khaleesi's in a posture of victory. And then he says this, because he knows where his strength comes from. 
And I'm telling you, it's time for the church to start walking into high-pressure environments with a posture of victory. Why? Because we know where our strength comes from. I'm not the gifted one. God is. But He's graced me by His presence to walk in His authority and power and turn situations around, to turn businesses around and nations around and schools around and families around. A posture of victory. Posture is a powerful thing. I kind of wrote this down when I was thinking about it. To, to, to have a posture of victory is not just to stand straight, because that's what you would imagine. It's to stand sure. It's not the same deal. I'm not talking about walking into a room and having it all worked out and, you know, kind of arriving at church and let everyone know I got posture. I'm straight up, like I read my Bible this morning, I got my groove on, I got my hustle on, I'm coming at you. All right, devil, what you got? It's not about standing straight, which is the look of posture. It's about standing sure, which is the conviction of it. It's standing sure. It means that even if I have, am having a bad day, I don't need to fabricate something that looks good. I'm sure of the outcome, which is that Jesus wins. Posture. I call it surrendered certainty. Surrendered certainty. I'm not walking into the room with all the answers. I'm not arrogant. This is not me saying, ah, no, you don't. This is me in a surrendered certainty taking back the ground that was given for us by Jesus. Isaiah 54 is a prophetic word of the coming of Christ. It has a statement in it in which this song was worded. It says, Isaiah 54, verse 16, See it as I, this is God speaking about the coming of Jesus, who created the blacksmith, who fans the coals into flame and forges a weapon fit for its work. It is I who have created the destroyer to wreak havoc, is what my Bible says. It's the speaking about Jesus. He says, no weapon formed against you will prevail. You know what I love about this song? It doesn't, get, it doesn't warm up. First line. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Isn't that what it says? First line, posture. There are weapons, but they don't win. There is chaos, but we triumph. There is pain, but God will make it beautiful. No weapon formed against you would prosper, and when the darkness falls, it won't prevail, because the God I know knows only how to triumph. My God will never fail. I feel like the church needs to get the rhythm of victory in its dance again, in its song, in its step. It's not that we walk into a room knowing all the answers. It's that we walk in with a posture of surrendered certainty that God is on our side and no weapon formed against us will prevail. And that means you. That means your children. You know what I love about this year, Khaleesi's story? He still had to get on the park. It's cool when you tell the story in hindsight, but he still had to get on the park. But a posture of victory doesn't stop us from playing the game. It just gives us the confidence to know how it ends. That means you arrive back at your business place. That means you arrive back at your marriage. That means you arrive back at your children that aren't listening to anything you have to say right now or ever, feels like. And you arrive back there and you pray for them and you believe for them and you love on them. Why? Because you're not out the game. It's just that you know how it ends. Perhaps you're sitting here today and you're going, what does it mean for me? Perhaps... Perhaps you're going to work and no one's recognizing your efforts and you just feel overlooked, but you're still showing up. That's posture. That's posture. Your kids aren't responding to your voice, but you're still praying. That's posture. Tap your neighbor and say, that's posture. 
your spouse and you are doing this, but you're still choosing to be present and you're still sharing a bed, you're still in the game. It's posture. The economy may be down, but you're still exercising faithful generosity. You know what I love about this church? Can I have a brag moment for a moment? This church, we are genuinely in an economic downturn in this nation. We're aware of it. We're just not afraid of it. All right? And this year, I've watched people in this church. I can't speak for everyone. I haven't had the chance to speak to everyone. But I've watched people in this church choose to exercise faithful generosity in their finances despite the economic downturn. You know what that is? That's posture. That means I'm not sabotaging who I am just because the game looks like it's changed. I'm winning. The coin's being tossed. It looks like it's in their favor, but I'm going out here to win. And so I exercise generosity. I'm not sabotaging who I am because of the circumstances around me. Tap your neighbor and say, that's posture. Your days may be busy, but you're still serving a story bigger than your own. That's posture. Your friends have moved on. They got lots to say. Perhaps they're even talking about you on the beautiful platform that is Facebook. And you know what? You're still smiling. You're still encouraging. Tap your neighbor and say, that's posture. You might have taken a few hits, but you're still in the game. Psalm 121 says, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Church, we got posture. Not only do we have a victory mindset, but we have a posture that is victorious. And God wants you to walk with a posture that is victorious. To look up, to see forward, and to believe in the best. I don't know why I wrote this. I just got so excited when I was preparing. I wrote you, I'm back. <laughs> I just felt like someone in the room needed to hear that. You know, you just, need to, you just need to realize it feels like you've been taken out the game, but the game is already over and it's in your favor. So get out there and play it again. You're back. Second thing I see in this story is perspective. I see posture. I see a church that walks and a confident surety of what God wants to do with us. Mark my words, this nation will be different when the church rises in its posture. The second thing I see is perspective. Write this down. Start with the end in mind. I love it how when God is speaking to his people, he says in 2 Chronicles, he says, position yourselves or posture as we would speak about it. Stand still and see. Stand still and see. You know what we're trying to do? We're trying to get in the game and fix. And God is going, stand still and see. Can I say it like this? Visualize your victory. We're so caught up in earning our victory that I feel like God is wanting to say, stop, stand still, and visualize your victory. There's power in the visual outcome of heaven. Like, like when, when I dream of the church, I don't dream of the next Sunday. I dream of 2055 if I'm still around, where my children are leading it far further than I could have ever dreamt of. I'm seeing victories we haven't even started playing for. I'm seeing churches across this nation. I'm seeing businesses. People say to me, amen. I say, you're passionate about business. I said, for sure I am. I said, what do you see for business? I said, you want to start now? I need days. I see entrepreneurs exploding in the life of this economy, not leaving. I see them exploding within. I see life flowing. Why? Because I'm visualizing victory. I'm walking toward victory. Here's the thing. We often only walk into what we were able to see. I was speaking to um, 
a friend of mine, Alan Kelsey, is from Gateway Church in Texas, and uh, he's in corporate coaching. He's done amazing work with some really dynamic guys across the world, across the earth. And he was talking about this idea of perspective, the power of perspective. You know, there's just nothing like a person with victory perspective in them. And, uh, and we all know those people. We want to be around them. Amen? And so we're talking about perspective. It's on my leadership podcast. You can check it on YouTube if you want. And I said to him, what's one of the most fascinating things you've learned about perspective? He told me about a guy by the name of David Cook. David Cook, you may know of him if you're in the world of coaching, is a professional psychologist to professional athletes, and, uh, and he has worked with some of U.S.'s greatest athletes, okay, track and field, but one of the athletes that really has told the story well is Tiger Woods. He helped Tiger get back in the game. All right, I think he's doing an okay job. How about you guys? And so he's speaking about David Cook, and I said, Ann, what's David teach you? He said, David said to me, I asked him a question, I said, David, what's the most fascinating thing you've learned about psychology, coaching, and outcomes of, that are positive. He said, I've learned, Alan, that you cannot, he's been in the game for 35 plus years, you cannot take a negative thought and turn it into a positive outcome. Like, I've learned that men that are born on this day succeed better than, you know, nah. I've learned that if you eat this and don't eat that and try this, those are all factors. But he said the most fascinating thing that he'd learned in years of coaching the greatest athletes on the planet was that you cannot take a negative thought and turn it into a positive outcome. In other words, if Tiger is sitting there going, I'm not going to hit the bunker, I'm not going to hit the bunker, I'm not going to hit the bunker, guess what? You're vying bunker. I ride bikes, paddle a little bit of my time. If you come into a corner, I'm not going to hit that rock. I'm not going to hit that rock. I'm not going to hit that rock. Guess what, my friend? You're buying hospital. You're going to hit the rock. Can I bring it home? This won't end. This won't end. This won't end. Broken. You see, because we bump up against the very thing that we were able to visualize. The thoughts govern the outcomes. It's so powerful. It's so, it's so dynamic. That's what Paul said in Romans. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will discern and see what the will of God is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. In other words, we can't even see what God has for us until we see past the very thing we keep staring at. It's, it's a perspective change. He's saying to King Jehoshaphat and his men, I need you to visualize your victory. I need you to see the salvation of the Lord. Listen, they haven't even gone into battle and God's already promising them the breakthrough. What are you looking at? Jesus said it strangely in John 16, 33. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. That's the battle. But take heart, I have overcome this world. He's giving them a victory mindset before they've even put themselves in the game. Perspective, I was reading about perspective. It's literally just the way you see something. It's from a Latin root word, which is lens. It's just a lens. So how do you see the world we live in? How do you see the power of the local church? How do you see the potential that's in your children? How do you see the work environment God has asked you to change for good? How do you see the nation that is Africa, that for some in the papers is in chaos, but those who live here is still full of color? How do you see it? Because I believe perspective is powerful. Posture, perspective. I love how the song says, there's power in the mighty name of Jesus. It's going for perspective here. And every war he wages, he will win. And I'm not backing down from any giants, for I know how the story ends. 
I'm telling you, church, we're on the winning team. I was chatting about the story of David and Goliath with a good friend the other day. He's a preacher. He's a pastor. And, you know, that story has been told so many different ways. But the truth is we all agree it always ends the same. David beats Goliath. But he said he read it in such an interesting way uh, not so long ago. He said, I was reading the story, and I realized David wasn't going out to defeat Goliath primarily. He was going to take back the sword. And I was like, what? He said, think about it. The enemy was holding the very sword that God was going to use to chop off his head, and David needed to get it back in the right hands. And And as he said that, it's like confidence grew in my spirit. Because I've realized that we often stare at the enemy like he's the one holding the sword. But David is a picture of Jesus. And what he did was Jesus went and he took back the sword and he put it in the hands of God's people. How many of you know the Bible is the word of God? It's the sword. It's the sword. It's not in his hands. It's in your hands. And it's like David, a picture of Jesus, it's like he takes back what was always ours. It's a perspective of a victory. The enemy isn't the one holding the sword. We are. It's like that scripture where Jesus said, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And we read that and we think, man, if, if we just hang in here, they will never win. Like if we just, woo, just fuss bait. But that's not what Jesus is saying. He's like saying, that's the wrong perspective. That means you're on the back foot. Everything's against you. And if you're lucky, you win. He's going, no, the gates of Hades will not prevail. Is speaking about us kicking them down and they can't hold us back. It's a different perspective. And I just wonder if today God can shift your perspective, give you a victory mindset, take you into the headspace of we're winning. There's new ground. Taking back the sword, hashtag take back the sword. And the third thing I see in band, you can come join me, is promise. I love this song because it speaks of posture, it speaks of perspective, but it anchors itself in promise. Because, man, I, I know that I, I choose posture and I choose perspective, but I need promise to kind of stay there. I need to know that there is a guaranteed outcome for me to hang in there in the seasons that are hard. Friends, I want to tell you there's a guaranteed outcome. I want to tell you we get the benefit of reading this story in hindsight. You know, back then the story was written. They weren't sure where it all ended. But we know it now from Revelation to Genesis. We know how this whole thing goes down. In the end, we win. Once Stephen Furtick was... Uh, talking to his son who was eight, and his son said, Dad, do you know that, you know, let's call him Johnny. Johnny's dad is a pastor in town, and he's a really deep pastor, Dad. Stephen Furtick said, what do you mean? He said, well, at the moment, he's busy studying the book of Revelation, and he's going into, he's like a really deep guy, Dad. Like, when are we going to study the book of Revelation? Furtick says to his eight-year-old, he said, I already have. He said, I'll summarize it for you in a few words. In the end, we win. (laughs) It's a posture of victory. We don't need to know all the detail to understand our destiny is secure. We don't need to make sense of the current moment we're in to understand that God will turn it for His good. Amen? I love the word. Let's read it again. 2 Chronicles 20 says in verse 15, And He said to them, Listen, all of you, Judah, or listen to you, all of Link Church and the inhabitants of Africa. Thus says the Lord, Do not be afraid or dismayed because of this great multitude. The battle is not yours, but God's. Five words that'll change your life and give you a victory mindset. The battle is the Lord's. 
The battle is the Lord's. Can we say that together? The battle is the Lord's. It's not yours, sir. I know you're working hard and you're swinging fists and you're sweating late. And you know, the battle is I know, ma'am, you feel like you're doing everything for your marriage. You're giving everything you've got, and it just feels like you're not winning. It feels like you're on the back foot. I want to tell you the good news is in the end, we win. Doesn't matter how it ends in your story. Doesn't matter how it kind of figures out in your mind. In the end, we win. Why? Because the battle. I don't have a posture of victory because I'm good. I got one because he's good. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. It's a victory mindset. Posture, I'm aware but I'm unafraid. Perspective, uh, start with the end in mind. I'm getting different perspective here. But the promise is that the battle is the Lord's. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that in all things, all things, all things, all things, marriage, business, family, church, South Africa, all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. But Dill, my friendship that ended, all things work together for the good. The loved one that went too soon, I'm not saying there isn't pain. I'm just telling you God will work that thing for His good. All things. The business that's closed its doors three times, perhaps you're on your fourth, your fifth, all things, sir. All things work together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. The decision in my life that left a big mess, all things, become the testimony of your life. All things. You see, I feel like in the church, many of us are looking for a quick fix. But what we actually need is a good meal. Let me explain. The word for battle is the word lechem. Lechem means battle. It also means bread. Lechem means fight. It also means feed. It's one of those strange Hebrew words that has dual meaning. So Bethlehem means the house of bread, the house of feeding. That's why it's called Bethlehem. And when God says to his men, I want you to go to battle, what he says is, the battle is the Lord's. The Lechem is the Lord's. Hang on, what's going on here? Why is one battle and one's bread? I'll tell you why. Because when we learn to feed on him, we'll see how he fights for us. God wanted to understand the truth, friends. The goal of the Christian life is not restless behavior towards God's outcome. It's rested worship in what's already there. It's different. And so when I feed on Him, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. They don't have to disappear for my spirit to come alive. They don't have to be gone for my confidence to be back. They don't have to change for my victory to be put on again. Friends, I want to tell you, we live in the winning team. We live in the winning team. Four years, you got a trophy. Listen, we've had a trophy from day one for nothing we did, for no one that we God just gave it to us in the life of Jesus. He just served us a table in the presence of our enemies. I see your hand, sir, and I'm going to work with you until the whole church realizes that we're living in a position of victory. We're living in a posture of victory. We're living in a season of victory. We're living in a new day of victory. Yes, it may be dark. Yes, it could look chaotic. But we're standing on the victory of Jesus, not in our efforts, but in His grace. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. Come on, I want to pray for you. You see, you came in here asking God, do something in my life. Oh, He will. But the fix that you thought you needed 
is actually just a craving for food. And you need Jesus to become your food again. You need the Word of God to become the best thing that happens in your day. You need to devour the truth that is in there, that you are chosen, you are loved, you are set apart. You are His son, you are His daughter, and He's working all things to the good. You need to feed on that today. So God, help us to feed on the truth that is your power, that is our victory. Jesus, we lean into it and we rest on the idea that the battle is yours. Thank you, Jesus, that the battle is yours. It's already won. All we gotta do is show up and receive the victory that we can't earn. So God, I pray for a confidence in your church to show up again in this moment, to show up again in our families, to show up again in this nation, to show up again on social media, to show up again in schools, to show up again in the workplace, Jesus, to show up again in politics, God, to show up again to receive the victory that is already yours. And Jesus, we declare that we take no glory. We bow our heads as King Jehoshaphat and we worship you. We lift you up in victory. We lift you up in praise. We lift you up in honor. Jesus, for you're the one that owns and serves and gives the victory in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, come on church, let's declare these words together. Thank you, Jesus.